Dustin pulled this rusted Ford Focus into Highway 70 toward Central City and looked at his GPS. The address for his pizza delivery said that it was 25 miles ahead. It was already 10pm and he groaned deeply, knowing that he wouldn't be home until nearly midnight after the drive back. His manager would be pissed if he took the insulated pizza bag and car top sign home again. He thought to himself that the measly tips he received for driving out into the middle of nowhere weren't worth putting miles on his aging car. But he didn't have a lot of other job opportunities. Dropping out of high school wasn't the best plan he had made and getting his GED never seemed to materialize. Highway 70 was locally known as a bad stretch of road. Trees craned over the two-lane blacktop, like curling fingers closing around the cars that passed by. He had never driven on it himself, but the other delivery drivers had mentioned it numerous times. Fat flakes of snow were falling as his headlights pierced the darkness ahead. His car rumbled roughly over the cracking hallway, and he flipped through the radio stations as he drove farther into the country. But the only sound that came back was static and half-intelligible voices from a late-night talk radio show. Frustrated, he punched the radio knob and drove on in silence. And when he looked back to the road, he saw... (sighs) A bellowing gust of wind slammed against his car, making the snowflakes in front of his windshield shoot across his vision like shooting stars. He gripped the steering wheel tightly and struggled to keep the car on the road. The tires of the old Focus dug into the soft dirt on the side of the road, and he jerked the wheel hard to the left. After a few moments, he was able to bring the car back onto the road, and he sighed with relief. He felt as though he had been on the road for ages. Dustin was certain he must nearly be to his destination. Heart still pounding, he looked at his GPS. He blinked in confusion and thumped the glowing screen with his middle finger. It still said that he was 25 miles away. Dustin's eyes drifted down to the digital clock in his center console. It was already 10.20 p.m., and he should only have around five miles left. He looked back to the GPS, but the miles to his destination still hadn't changed. The car icon on the screen showed that he was continuing forward, but the distance never progressed. His stomach lurched and groaned uneasily as the low fuel indicator sounded. He was certain that his car had a full tank of gas when he started his shift. It had been a lousy night, sure, but there were only three deliveries in the city limits before the order from Highway 70 came in. There was no way he had burned through 15 gallons of gas. Damn it! He exclaimed loudly, slamming his fist against the steering wheel. The horn let out two weak honks from the blows lost in the overpowering sound of the winter wind hammering against his car. Tears began to pull in the corners of Dustin's eyes as his frustration grew 
He wasn't overly familiar with Central City and didn't know if there was a gas station near his delivery. Trying to fill up his car before he took the pizza was his best bet. But if the pizza was late, they may just call in a complaint and get their delivery comped. The difference would come out of his pocket and he hadn't gotten enough tips in the evening to pay for it. As his mind raced, he felt the car begin to jerk and the engine began to sputter. The low fuel level light was flashing rapidly and he pulled over to the side of the road. Looking at his odometer, he could see that he had only driven five miles since the indicator bell rang. It should have taken him at least another 40 miles until he ran out of gas. And then he looked at the GPS again. The distance had dropped from 25 miles to zero. And a small text bubble beneath read, You have arrived at your destination. Panic began to swell in his chest as he looked side to side. And there was no house. Only trees as far as he could see into the inky darkness. Dustin began to sob as he looked down at the clock again. The clock read 2 a.m. Hot tears poured rushed from the corners of his eyes. He reached a hand toward his face to wipe them away. A sudden pain exploded from his cheek and he felt something bristly on his palm. Jerking the hand away, he saw that his fingernails had grown long and the tip of his index finger was covered with blood. He pulled down the sun visor and flipped the lid up to examine his face in the mirror. His heart dropped when he saw a scraggly beard covering his usually clean-shaven face. His cheeks were sunken in as though he hadn't eaten in weeks and a bloody crescent was just below his right eye where the oddly long nail had pierced his cheek. Dustin slammed his fist into the car horn, blaring weakly again against a merciless wind slamming against his car. The physical exertion made him feel weak. His body ached and his stomach growled loudly. He had eaten a snack only an hour ago. Or had he? He looked at the clock again, and this time it said 6 a.m., but there was no sun to be seen. Only the dark, bitter cold enveloped his tiny car. Another growl of hunger erupted from his stomach, and Dustin leaned over and pulled the pizza from the bag in the seat beside him. The box should have been hot, but it was as icy as his grip. He lifted the lid and shoveled the cold slices of pizza into his mouth. But as he chewed greedily, it turned to ash inside of his mouth. Pulling his hand from his face, he looked down at the slice of pizza in his hand to see the mold spread across the surface. He tossed it into the floorboard and began to well. The cab of the car was almost as cold as the winter night, and he shivered feebly. What the hell is happening? He shouted. It doesn't make any sense. Trooper John Stevenson received a call from a pizza shop manager in the late hours of the night. 
one of his delivery guys had never arrived for his last stop of the night. The manager was getting worried and wondered if they could check Highway 70 and see if the young man had been in an accident. The trooper had only made it three miles down the road before he saw a rusted Ford Focus parked sloppily on the shoulder of the bad stretch of road. He walked toward the driver's door and slowly with his flashlight beam aimed it at the driver's seat headrest. And when he reached the door, he dropped the mag light before running back to his car to radio for additional units. Sitting in the driver's seat of the Focus was a skeleton, skull leaning against the window. An empty pizza box sat in his lap. The dark socket seemed to gaze at the mirror on the sun visor above. Cast iron squilled against asphalt and startles me from my sleep. The cold wind whips through the alleyway and I pull the tattered sleeping bag tightly over my head. It's been a few weeks since I heard the thing slide the manhole cover open and the dread of what comes next already fills my body. I wait a few moments and pull the sleeping bag away from one eye and let it adjust to the darkness. The wrinkly stack of dollar bills sits just beside the lip of the manhole. A few of the bills at the top of the banded pile flap in the breeze. Even knowing the likely outcome, I still have to suppress the urge to jump from my sleeping bag and try to snatch the money. But I won't though. I've seen this play out enough times to take that risk. Fetid smell hit the air coming from the open manhole cover. When I first smelled it so many months ago, I mistook it for a mixture of sewage and stale air. Over time, the subtle undertones of rot and decay became apparent. The drunken shuffling of feet entering the alley pulled my gaze away from the stack of money. I could see the silhouette of a man stumbling from the safety of the streetlight into the shadows between the buildings. When the face came into view, I only recognized him from a few passing words upon his arrival last week. The homeless community here isn't a trusting one. Too many friends or too many squatters create a scarcity of resources. We're all just trying to survive how we can. And for a moment, I thought he would stagger unknowingly past the money and onto a safe but cold night of sleep. But then he suddenly stopped and wobbled in place. His eyes drifted down to the money and a goofy smile spread across his face. He looked around at the other men in their sleeping bags checking for witnesses I'm sure but no one would want to split a bounty poor bastard didn't know it wasn't a bounty at all the drunk knelt down to grab the money when a pale white hand shot out of the manhole and wrapped around the man's face muffling the inevitable scream 
His body lurched forward, one shoulder slamming against the edge of the dark opening. Feet and hands raked the concrete for purchase until a snap like a tree branch filled the air. The man's body fell limp and slid effortlessly into the manhole cover. And a few moments later, two pink eyes raised over the edge of the manhole cover and winked at me before grabbing the money and pulling the heavy cover back in place. I hate these nights, but you get used to them after a while. Some make it, and some don't. But who knows? One day I may just go for the money myself. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Gravel peppers the underside of my truck as I turn into the forgotten road. Water-filled potholes large enough to bathe in are spaced unevenly along the rough stretch. Thankfully, my shitbox truck can handle it. Good old-fashioned four-wheel drive can manage this old path as well as the abyss beyond the bridge. After a few minutes on the old trail, I can see the covered bridge. Planks that once covered the entrance have long since been cast to the side, dry rotting in the sun. Then sunbeams blast through the holes in the wood shingled roof, illuminating the debris ridden floor. Tilting slightly to the left, the old bridge looks as though it may give away at any moment, but I know it won't. I drive over it every day. Wood and rubber meet as the front wheels climb up to the lip of the bridge, and I ease the rest of the truck beneath the roof. Once the crackling of old timber stops, I push the gas pedal and ease forward. Although it is a sunny morning, the farther I drive into the bridge, all light begins to fade. Even when I use my headlights, The dark eventually consumes the beams until once again there is no illumination until I see a red glow in the distance. As I approach the red opening, I already know I have to slam on the gas. My tires squeal and the engine rumbles as I open the truck up to full throttle. The crimson hellscape explodes into view and a lump swells in my throat. It happens every time, but I know I can do this. Writhing trees with talon-tipped branches line the side of the road, 
and reach toward my truck. Sickly white grass sways in the stifling breeze, and I can see reptilian fins rise and fall through the tops of the vegetation. They try to keep pace with me, but once I hit the straight stretch, they always fall behind. I've never seen the creatures other than a vanishing speck in my rearview mirror. Dozens pour out of the grass and onto the red clay path behind me as they give up the chase. Unseen creatures from the sky descend and claw at the top of my truck. The paint job is garbage anyway, so the new dents and scratches aren't much of a concern. Their shrieking is enough to drive you damn near mad, though. I can see another covered bridge ahead and hold the gas to the floor as I approach. The ground beneath me is beginning to shake, and I know the big one has seen me. But he's too late, though. I'm already into the covered bridge, and I can see bright blue skies ahead. My tires rumble off of the wood and onto a much smoother gravel path. Another ten minutes of driving and I'll make it to work. It's a hell of a shortcut, but it cuts my commute in half. It was a quiet neighborhood and John had always enjoyed living in the old house at the end of the street. It was a bit run down, but it had a certain charm that he couldn't resist. However, things had started to change recently. The light bulbs in the house seemed to be burning out at an alarming rate. John had replaced one or two here and there, but it seemed like every time he turned around, another light had gone out. He tried to brush it off as just a coincidence, but deep down, he couldn't shake the feeling that something was off. The feeling only intensified when he started noticing a dark figure lurking in the shadows of his home. At first, he thought it was just his imagination, but he couldn't deny the creepy feeling of being watched. It was as though something was following him, but just out of sight. John tried to ignore it, but as the days went on, he found himself becoming more and more paranoid. He couldn't shake the feeling that the monster in the shadows was waiting for the right moment to strike. His heart would race every time he would enter a dark room, and he found himself avoiding certain areas of the house altogether. And as the light bulbs continued to burn out, John started to wonder if there was something more going on. He began to research the history of the house, hoping to find some clue that might explain the strange occurrences. But what he found only made things worse. The house had a dark past. It had been the site of a grisly murder-suicide years ago, and he began to imagine that the spirit of the killer still haunted the halls. John tried to shrug it off as superstition, but the more he learned, the more convinced he became that something was not right. And one night, 
as he was walking down the hallway. John saw the figure in the shadows move. It was just a flicker, but it was enough to send him running back to his bedroom, heart pounding in his chest. He knew then that he could no longer ignore it any longer. John decided to call in a paranormal investigator, hoping that they could shed some light on the situation. The investigator arrived the next day and spent hours combing through the house with their equipment. When they emerged, they had a grave look on their face. There's something definitely here, they said. Can't say for sure what it is, but it's not good. John felt a cold shiver run down his spine. He had hoped for some kind of explanation, but this only made things worse. He felt like he was trapped in a nightmare that he couldn't wake up from. The investigator suggested that John leave the house for a few days while they conducted a more thorough investigation. John agreed, grateful for the chance to escape the oppressive feeling that had settled over him. He had stayed with a friend for a few nights, but even there, he couldn't shake the feeling of being watched. And when he returned to his house, the investigator was waiting for him, and they had some news. There's definitely something in the house, they said, but it's not a ghost. John felt a flicker of hope. Then what is it? He asked. It's hard to say for sure, the investigator replied. But I found a few interesting things in the basement. If you'll come with me, I'll show you and we can decide how to proceed from there. He followed the investigator into the house. John was shocked to see that nearly all of the lights had been completely burnt out. There were still quite a few light bulbs burning in the house when he had left, but now the inside was an ocean of darkness. John followed closely behind the investigator as they moved further into the house, a small light attached to the man's lapel bobbing up and down in the darkness. You told me the house had a violent past? The investigator said in a whimsical tone. Well, I did some research of my own, and it seems that most of the events took place near the small workshop in the basement. So, here's the thing. Here's a few things we can do for you, but we would need to move quickly. John nodded his head before realizing the man couldn't see his subdued response. Okay, he muttered. Could you tell me a little bit about it before we get down there? All the darkness has given me an uneasy feeling. The investigator chuckled and continued through the dark hallways and pulled the basement door open. He angled the lapel light down the dusty wooden stairs and began to walk down. His boots knocked loudly against the planks and the light from his lamp grew dimmer. It'll really be a lot easier if I just show you, the man said, reaching the dirt-covered basement floor. Some things really are easier seen than believed. 
John hesitantly began making his way down the stairs, trying desperately to step carefully into the inky black while trying to catch up to the investigator. He had already made his way around the ancient boiler, and the light was vanishing around the corner. John's heart began to pound as he hurried across the basement floor. As he rounded the boiler, he saw the man standing in the far corner of the basement, his light pointing directly toward John. He couldn't see anything through the blinding beacon, so he held his hand in front of his face to block out the abrasive beam. John opened his mouth to ask the man to angle the light down when it vanished altogether. White-hot panic rushed through his body as the darkness overwhelmed him. He reached into his pants pocket to find his cell phone to use a flashlight, but dozens of footsteps and low laughter echoed in the dark room around him. He felt as though he may wet his pants at any moment when he finally pulled the phone from his pocket and turned on the flashlight. John screamed as a small light illuminated the crumpled body of the investigator on the floor in front of him. His skin was tight and gray, mouth stretched into an eternally silent scream, and something moved behind the gnarled corpse just at the edge of the light. In a panic, John moved the light toward the figure in the dark, but the bulb flickered and dwindled. He looked down at his phone screen to see the soft light vanish into the consuming blackness of the basement, and soft footsteps in the dirt hurried forward as John felt dozens of frost hands wrap around his body, covering his mouth and pinning him to the floor as he felt himself become one with the shadows. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. 
We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.